One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My next guest has been on my radar for some time. Dr. Saif Gallagher is a plastic surgeon specializing in gender confirmation surgery based in Indianapolis in the United States and originally from Loud Village. And I'm delighted to say she's with me on late lunch today. Saif, you're so welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Not at all. As I said, worth waiting for is the phrase <laughs> in my mind today. Thank you for coming in to us on your, on your trip home on this occasion. We were talking about the Leaving Cert with Ray. You were listening there out in reception earlier right. on. And can I quote you? You say you still have nightmares. Why? I do indeed. Well, I think I think a lot of us do still. It carries on into your adulthood. I remember I was out running this morning. I saw the school bus going by and I think it starts tomorrow, the Leaving Cert. And, you you know, I feel bad. It's just, it's a lot when you're young, you know, when you're 18 and your, you know, career kind of depends on it, you know, but uh, sure, uh, I mean, I'll, there's plenty of other stressful things I've been through, but that stays in the in the brain. Lovely. Altogether. And so. that's what I wanted you to say. And we yeah. were just saying that for students facing it into it tomorrow. But here, come on. You got the points for medicine. What are you talking about? Oh, well, eventually it was hard work, though, you know, <laughs> but it's worth it. I mean, the hard work is definitely worth it, you know, and for things like medicine, it's, uh, you know, over the years, there's plenty of times I wondered had I gone down the right road, but absolutely. You have, and we're going to hear why as we talk further this afternoon. Were you a SWAT? Uh, oh, I was. I had no life till I was 31. Yeah. I, I and that mean, included I, the leaving cert and leaving college cert, mm-hmm. and beyond. Yeah, yeah. If anything, I probably worked a bit too hard uh, in hindsight, and because I missed my twenties altogether, because I was I was in a hospital for all of my twenties, working a hundred hours a week, uh, doing surgery, and I came out at the end of it kind of came out of all the training at thirty one, very kind of burnt out and thinking, did I do the right thing at all? <laughs> but then once I got into practice, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, you know, it was definitely well worth it. So. hundred hours a week and you didn't come home much at that stage you missed a lot of family occasions yes yeah well I think that's probably one thing I didn't understand it's not it's not the hard work you know that is the downside of it it's missing out you know all the weddings and birthdays and anniversaries and all those sort of things you miss out on because you're at work you know and in my case uh, I work in the United States so I used to come home about once a year but sure it's gotten so much better now because I'm out I'm kind of my own boss to a certain extent and uh, I come home as often as I like so now I'm the other extreme I I never miss anything you know so I come home about every three months and I've even come home for a weekend at times (laughs) you know what you're and you're making up for a lot of time. I absolutely am. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. you are. But yeah. that ethos, you are in the States and based there and very successful you are. Is that the ethos, the work ethos over there 
with an awful lot of people. It definitely is. You know, it's, I mean, work is kind of worshipped a little bit over there. You know, I'm not sure they have the right idea because when you look at happiness levels around the world, you know, the United States wouldn't be at the top. And it's, yeah, I find there tends to be a lot of busy work maybe. Uh, That was something I thought we did better in Ireland because I was an intern in the matter for a year. And I remember we used to, you know, when you get your work done for the day, we'd all kind of, it was great teamwork and you'd hand over the page and head off, you know, home for the day and we'd cover each other. Whereas in the in the States, you really have to, you have to be there, you know, for the 12 hours or whatever it's going to be um, or somebody will be looking for you, you know. So I'm not sure it's the be all and end all and certainly, you know, work smart, not work hard, I, I think uh, is something I'm still kind of learning. Um, but definitely throughout training, you know, particularly I did general surgery first before I went into plastic surgery. And general surgery is a lot of life and death stuff, you know, so and you're you're in the hospital for 100 hours a week, you know, and just, you know, sleep deprived and all those things. It's uh, an awful lot of time to spend at your job, but you did it and it's history at this stage. Right. What you did general surgery, you mentioned that you went into general surgery first, but right. what took you towards the plastic surgery aspect? Yeah. Well, so plastic surgery, I would say it was something that always fascinated me. I was exposed to it while I was still a medical student at UCD. Um, I went out to Atlanta at the time and watched some surgeries. And I remember at the time just thinking, like, this is Frankenstein stuff. It was stuff I didn't think was possible. You know, they were taken off, for example, free flaps. They were taken off parts of the body and it was off the body completely. And then they were sewn it back on underneath a microscope. You know, so it was absolutely amazing surgeries, number one. Number two, I've always enjoyed art and you know speaking about the Leaving Cert I did art in the Leaving Cert you know and I always kind of dreamed of being able to marry that um you know, eye for the aesthetic uh, with my work and definitely you can do that in plastic surgery. It's, it's very important, you know, and that's why I absolutely love this field. It's it's going to keep me well entertained, uh, you know, for the rest of my career because you can always do better and better. General surgery, you know, is taking out gallbladders and things like that. It's either in or it's out, you know, but for example, if you're building a new nose or maybe doing some of the gender affirmation surgeries I do, you can keep getting better and better and just become a better master, you know, as time goes by. Do you know what we've seen this face transplantation. Isn't that just a remarkable thing? Have you come across any of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, so certainly, you know, there is a point when a patient has maybe a very bad trauma or a very bad cancer um, that there's only so many things you can do with trying to use different body parts to rebuild them. And particularly when it comes to the face, you know, the eye is very used to looking at faces and your eye will pick up very quickly if that face is deformed, you know, which is kind of devastating uh, for a patient. And also on top of that obviously the face does a lot of other functions. We've got vision, taste, smell, all of that going on there. So what what they found was, you know, the first face transplant of course was in, in France, but you now they're becoming more common in the United States because for that patient who has a very devastating injury, um, sometimes it is the best option. The downside of it, of course, is you know that lady in France died since from a complication mm. from the medications, you know. So the, the medications because you know you're taking somebody else this tissue and your immune system is always going to try and reject it so you have to take immunosuppressants but it is something I've treated a patient um, who had a face transplant at another institution and we have it pretty close by where I am at Cleveland Cleveland Clinic they've done a few um, and you know we've heard from their visiting professors so between that and hand transplants that's another thing that's within the realm of plastic surgeons really the key is getting the drugs better 
you know, so we don't have so many problems with the drugs. So anything is possible. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So on a day you can move from, you mentioned a hand transplant to nose to, it right. can be a very interesting day, I'm sure. It, yeah, I mean, plastics, the other thing about plastics is we operate in all ages and all parts of the body. And even I remember my first day on call in plastics, I was getting calls about burn victims. I was getting calls about webbed toes. I was getting, you know, um, accidents involving the face, cuts, dog bites. Um, hand surgery, fixing bones, nerves, <laughs> tendons, you know, so it's really a, a very, very diverse field. And, you know, plastic surgeons are kind of considered the surgeon's surgeon. It's everything that sort of falls down the cracks between specialities. Oftentimes we end up doing so. Now, beyond plastic surgery, you've been drawn to a very specialised area and a very important area as well, transgender surgery. Mm -hmm. Again, how did you make the transition or what prompted that? Yeah, well, um, probably my interest started in that probably about seven years ago. And then I remember the first time I saw one of these surgeries, the, the genital surgery, so that was a male going to a female patient. So we call that a transgender woman. Uh, so the first time I saw that surgery, my mind was absolutely blown. Um, the surgery is a kind of very elegant surgery. You're using the analogous parts to fit them back together again uh, to make the organ and they work very well and it looks good. So you can kind of completely rearrange it. So probably, I'd have to admit, my first attraction to the area was just uh, kind of in a nerdy way, sort of like looking at the surgeries and just the, my mind was blown by them. But then um, after getting to know a few more people who are transgender personally and having more experience in the field, I began to kind of really fall in love with it because the transgender community, certainly the medical profession's history with the transgender community, Community hasn't been great over the years. There's been a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of bad treatments, and you know there's a lot of work uh, to be done. So that kind of became my niche uh, about five years ago, and it's it's really kind of grown from there. And I absolutely love doing that work. It's the most meaningful work I've ever done. I want to get into the nitty gritty of the transgender surgery. So we're going to take a break. And I just want to say to our listeners today, if you feel this is not for you or maybe you have younger ears listening, you might like to uh, turn away for a short while for the next 10, 15 minutes or so, because I'm going to talk to Dr. Sive Gallagher about the uh, nitty gritty, as I said, after this break. Dr. Sive Gallagher is with me. She specialises in gender confirmation surgery. Let me uh, read this definition to you. Gender dysphoria, the condition of feeling one's emotional and psychological identity as male or female to be the opposite to one's biological sex. And really that sums up transgender people, Sive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I would say is there used to be a lot of misunderstanding in the medical profession about what it was to be transgender. Firstly, we used to think that if you identified as transgender, um, you were mentally ill. And now we know that's not the case. Just because you're transgender does not mean you're mentally ill. And we've seen the WHO come out and announce this last week. Um, And, you know, I would say 
probably my transgender patients are amongst the most sane patients I've ever treated. But where the illness is, is this gender dysphoria, this profound discomfort and sadness a patient has um, because of their body, because of how it looks them when they identify as another gender. And it used to be that back in the dark ages, the medical profession thought we had to change the mind to fit the body. And now what we understand is that simply doesn't work. And so we now understand through medicines or surgery or whatever is appropriate for that particular patient, we change the body to fit the patient's identity. And this gender identity is the most important thing, uh, certainly from the patient's uh, well-being point of view. I take it there's a rigorous process before somebody actually is on your operating table. Right, right. There absolutely is. And, you know, it takes, I'm very lucky because um, it's unlike, for example, cosmetic surgery. If a girl decides to, you know, increase the size of her breast last week, there's nobody screening her, really, think, you know, helping her think through this decision. Unlike that, for example, if we uh, look at the requirements for the genital surgeries, um, which is, you know, the highest requirements are for that, that patient will be have to live in their gender identity for at least a year, be in hormones for at least a year and be signed off um, by three different professionals. So they're a hormone provider and uh, sometimes one, maybe two psychiatrists or psychologists. So there's a lot of screening uh, that goes into this uh, beforehand. And most of my patients, to be honest, they it's something it's been years before they've gotten to my operating table. I mean, the oldest patient I've operated on was 72, you know. So. My word. Yeah. That must have been some outcome afterwards, emotionally, never mind the physical end of things, for that person who yeah. was locked in that wrong body, if you'd like to say, for right. so long. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, that was one of my favourite patients I've had for sure. This was when I saw it on my list coming to see me, I thought 72, my goodness. But, you know, this was a very healthy transgender man. So this was a patient who was assigned female at birth, identified all his life as a man and was working as a farmer in rural Indiana. And what triggered this, which we see very typically, was the death of his mother. And once his mother died, he kind of felt well, he could come out and be, you know, in his own skin. And it was absolutely the most gratifying thing because he didn't, you know, he's a farmer in rural Indiana. He didn't have access to the internet. And so when we're going through the before and after pictures, you know, of how we can make him look, you know, make his chest look very masculine, his mind was absolutely blown, you know, and he's one of the happiest guys. He just kind of walked differently after the surgery and had a whole new lease of life. He changed his name to James. <laughs> and uh, he really did great, you know, he sailed through the surgery. So, so let's talk about man to woman. So mm-hmm. you have somebody who is biologically and the birth test says they are a man, but yet they are female. Mm-hmm. OK, so you start to take the hormones and board and you can uh, work to create breasts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So everybody responds differently to the hormones. And usually we tell patients, you look at your female relatives and that might give you a clue how you're going to respond. So a lot of patients will grow breasts once they once they begin on the... No surgery required? Um, Probably only about half of them ever go on to have surgery for their chest. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. And, and, and that doesn't take a huge intervention. Yep. But when we move down the body. Yeah. Um, so once the patient has been on hormones for at least a year, a patient may decide to have the feminizing surgery for their genitalia. So um, what is that? 
so so that's it usually takes me about four and a half or five hours depends who's working with me I train residents so we have to slow down if I'm training somebody uh, but usually about uh, four and a half or five hours um, we do the surgery patients under general anaesthetic obviously and what we do is we basically disassemble the parts down there and put them back together and it create the vaginal canal if that's what the patient uh, wants and needs for their gender identity and create all the different parts while keeping the nerves intact so there's still they should be fully functional so they have sensation afterwards yeah so you convert male genitalia into female yep you are a wonder worker may i say (laughs) and that feeling is there yeah yeah, every everything should work. Obviously, it's a bit of time and the patient has to relearn it. And, you know, that was a big kind of learning curve for me. Initially, when I was doing the surgeries, I kind of realized, well, the surgery is the easy part is then afterwards when I have a girl coming to me once she's healed three months later saying, well, now how do I use it? <laughs> you know, so we, we created a manual for that. Um, but, you know, so use it or lose it. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, they, they have to. to yeah, 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 yeah. Now, the other way around, Rob, Okay, Mm -hmm. so we have then uh, born a woman. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Bertert, female, wants to become male. Right. Does that mean a mastectomy? Yeah, so oftentimes it does. So that's probably the most common gender affirmation or gender confirmation surgery we see going on worldwide. Um, and when when a um, female to male patient or transgender man starts to take testosterone, testosterone is a powerful drug. And it oftentimes, you know, they grow in the facial hair, they become quite muscular and, it's often, and the voice drops. And it's oftentimes very difficult. If that patient chooses to do so, they can also always pass, you know, uh, they can oftentimes pass very well as a man. But it's... It's the chest is one of those things that can be very difficult to hide. So that's by far the most common surgery we do. And it's, it's really one of my favorite things to do because it's a, in about a 90 minute surgery. It's an outpatient surgery and it's transformative for the patient. We kind of invented a little way of doing it. We call it masculoplasty uh, that we do in Indiana. So, um, yeah, that's a really gratifying surgery. 
move down again once mm-hmm. more. Yeah. In uh, this particular scenario, female to male. Yeah. So for the female to male bottom surgery, when we call it when it's below yes. the waist. Yeah. Yeah. So the bottom surgery is a little bit more tricky uh, for a transgender man. And that's why we see not too much of it happening yet in the United States. It's always much easier as a general rule in surgery to take away than to add on. Mm. Uh, so that will be the first thing. And so the patient can either choose to use their own genitalia that's there that's kind of masculine certain parts of it will grow and that can be converted uh, into the male parts or we'll have to take in tissue from elsewhere in the body and then the really tricky part of that the real challenge is if that patient um, wants to stand to urinate just lengthening um, the urethra uh, that that's that's pretty tricky to do and oftentimes it takes a few different stages to do that surgery so there's still a lot of work in a general sense and research to create a penis right. and all that goes along with it as well, test yeah. days, etc. That's Do you see that happening long term? Do you see evolution and research enabling that to happen? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that the first penis transplant happened in Baltimore, actually, we were just talking about transplants earlier, because a lot of the soldiers in the last war were stepping on devices and getting devastating injuries uh, because it would explode upwards. So that is not probably on the cards for transgender men, because if you think about it, you know, that's a lot of drugs to take, Mm. you know. So you're talking about there about a transplant that you know the way you have a, mm-hmm. somebody dies and they donate their organs yeah. would, would would you know penis and yeah, the, the first one's been done Test in Baltimore. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, okay. so it's been done. But we think probably because there's always a shortage of supply there. So probably mm. in the long run, you know, tissue engineering, 3D printing, that sort of thing is, is probably the way to go where you can use the patient's own tissue and somehow grow to the parts. Yeah. And so make it function, you know, yeah. for urinary purposes. What about sexual purposes? Well, for right now, um, for the sexual purposes, that's a problem because we have to put in implants, you know, so usually we're... We're talking two, maybe three surgeries up to a year apart. Um, and oftentimes the patients, up to 80% of the patients will have complications or things don't work kind of just quite as well as we hope. So definitely a lot of work to be done for the guys. Come back to the point in, on either side when it's over and they come through. You mentioned the farmer there. What age did you say? He was 72, oh, yeah. You yeah, James, yeah. It, it must Look, I can only imagine what it means to the person, the recipient of this new life, so to speak, this new identity, their proper gender. What yeah. about you? You must get the greatest job satisfaction. I do. I do. And in fairness, you know, I think everybody has it. You're sort of, you have those d- days where you're like, what am I doing? Or, you know, getting out to start the car on minus 20, like we have in Indiana, you know, uh, on, a, on a winter's morning. And um, the very nice thing, one of the great things about social media is my patients will post their pictures and tag me in it. And, you know, to see them like going to the beach for the first time with their families, it's absolutely heartwarming you know and they're really you know the nicest most grateful patients I've ever had and you know to be honest it's, it's embarrassing the, the um, how thankful they are after the surgery yeah. We're getting questions I ain't surprised right. for you uh, Sive this afternoon Dr Sive Gallagher keep them coming to us and I'm, I'm going to get to them in a few moments you'll stay with me will you a Absolutely, few moments because yeah. I, I have more yeah. to talk to you about I really do yeah. 086 1800 658 WhatsApp text or you can call in on 1850 715 and I will put them to Sive just one thing before we break Sive the name Sive like we no bother yeah. to us here in Ireland yeah 
What about in America? Oh. How? And I'm going to spell it. Your S I D H B H Gallagher. What do they call you? Yeah. Uh, so Sid Sid above <laughs> the first S I D. Sometimes they'll stop at Sid Sid above. Uh, you know, it's some sort of variation of that. Yeah. But, you could uh, be called anything. Yeah. But uh, there you go. I'll tell you one thing. She's hugged and kissed and loved. I'm sure by all the people. How many procedures have you carried out? Uh, I'd say it's a, about 400 now. Over 400 patients. Remarkable. Like Doctor Sive Gallagher from. Louth Village in County Louth, who went to the Louis School in Dundalk, is a leading light in our field. She's my special guest on Late Lunch and she's staying with me. Dr. Saeb Gallagher, you've certainly prompted a lot of questions with us on Late Lunch this afternoon. Let me try and uh, get through as many of them as I can coming to us. Thank you indeed for sending them in to us. Um, Can you ever reproduce following this surgery? Well, so that's something a patient has to think about before they ever go on the hormones, because oftentimes from a reproductive point of view, going on those hormones may do a lot of damage, particularly to a transgender woman, so a male to female patient. So you do have to think about that in advance. And then there's options such as uh, freezing your sperm or freezing your eggs. Unfortunately, not a lot of insurances will pay for that, so they're kind of pricey. But it's something the patient can do to preserve their fertility, but they just have to think about it ahead. Jerry, will you ask, Saif, has anyone ever regretted undertaking the surgery? Yeah, well, so that's something you're obviously, you know, as a doctor, you want to make sure you do no harm. So that's something we watch very carefully and we follow our patients for quite a bit out after surgery. So I've had one case of migraine in my 400 plus patients, and that was a patient that seems to have been misdiagnosed, unfortunately, by two psychiatrists. So it is inevitable. It will happen. That patient, um, we removed their breasts and they weren't interested in having any sort of reconstructive surgery. That wasn't on the card. But it's something you think very seriously about. We think if the guidelines are followed and the patient goes through appropriate screening, the rates of regret are less than 1%. So it's a lot more rare than we used to worry about. Um, and, you know, but it's something we do certainly take very seriously and watch. Now, you operate from Indiana in the Midwest and the States. Yeah. Would be regarded as pretty conservative? It's extremely conservative. Mm, it is indeed. Yeah. So yeah. this question is timely and appropriate. Mm-hmm. Jerry, does she get many trolls or criticism about what she does. Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, Indiana is a very conservative state and I, when I was moving back there to start a practice, I was pretty sceptical about whether or not I was going to be able to do this practice. But the reality is, it seems to be a conservative estimate. Six out of a thousand people are transgender. There's transgender folks everywhere, whether it be rural Indiana or whatever it is. So I had some concerns when I was setting this up in the hospital. It was kind of me coming in and forcing it on the the nursing staff and initially there was a little bit of resistance but I'll tell you what it is is it's just education you know it's just when people sometimes you know because when you meet somebody when you're young one of the first things you think you should know well is this a boy or a girl I'm talking to and then when you're in a situation where maybe it's not too clear it can be kind of scary and most people are just afraid of saying the wrong thing but sometimes people can have a very strong reaction to it can even come out in violence you know so I would say it's really education what we did in the hospital was bring in people, you know, very articulate young people uh, from the transgender community who came in and talked to the nurses. And now what I've seen, and it would really warm your heart, the nurses are some of the strongest advocates we have, Mm. you know, and they, it's one of these things that was kind of put on them. They didn't volunteer to be in this practice, but it's such a happy time for patients. They absolutely love being part of this surgery. Uh, Jerry, uh, will you put a question to save me? I will indeed. Is this procedure carried out in Ireland? Now, before she 
answers I can tell you. She's had a conversation, I know this, in recent days with Simon Harris, the Minister for Health. Yeah. Um, So unfortunately, not all the procedures are available here in Ireland. In Dublin, um, there is one plastic surgeon uh, doing top surgery or mastectomies uh, for patients that will be for the female to male patients. The HSE does cover these surgeries, but patients right now are sent abroad, usually to London in order to get them. Um, So I did have a great conversation uh, with Simon Harris. He's very interested in bringing things up to kind of international standards of care for it. Um, the patients and to that end I volunteered my services I don't know what that would look like whether it's teaching or maybe trying to get the waiting lists down um, but it's something I'd absolutely love to do I've been out of the country 12 years you know so it would be Watch this space you never know what's going to happen down the road you have the ear of the right man anyway so let's talk a little more general. You're from Louth Village how many siblings have you? Uh, so there's four of us uh, two boys two girls and uh, you're away. Anyone else away from home? Yeah, there's uh, a brother in Portland. I was just out seeing him last weekend. Portland, Which Portland? Oregon. 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 Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I have a sister in Abu Dhabi who's a teacher. Oh God, you're an international crew altogether. Yeah. But there's one of you at home. Anyway. Yeah, there's one. There's a brother, Keen. And who's at home in Loud Village? Um, the mummy and the daddy still are. And yeah. who are they? What's their names? Yeah. Um, Minjo and Billy. So well, uh, they may be listening today, and if they are, I want to say yeah. hello to them yeah, this afternoon. Yeah. Delighted to have your yeah. company. Your daughter's fantastic I just love her um, also I, I just wanted to mention something you talked at an LGBTQ event in Belfast at the weekend uh, what was the feedback like there? Yeah well so that was it was specifically a trans pride event you okay. know? so we're, we're now in June mm. you, you know which is LGBT uh, pride month and uh, that event was a lovely event it was one of the first of its kind um, just specifically for the transgender uh, community because you know the thing is when I was growing up in rural Ireland in the 1980s, I certainly wouldn't have had the courage. If I was transgender, I wouldn't have, first of all, I wouldn't have known what it was or how I was feeling. And secondly, I wouldn't have had the courage to come out. You know, so I think what we're going to see constantly as public awareness improves and people are just kind of more comfortable in being themselves, we're going to, you're going to find there's a lot more transgender people out there than we ever thought before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, A message, uh, they're coming in thick and fast here. Uh, Jerry, uh, is that lady single? You're not answer this question. I'm just reading the, the, the comment from the listener. That accent is driving me mad in a really good way. You have a lovely accent. That's just a comment from a listener this afternoon. A friend of mine has sent me a message. She knows who she is. I'll see her Wednesday. I won't mention her name. She's looking for those hormones. You know the ones you talked about uh, that help with breast augmentation? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll see you on Wednesday. We'll take this up a little further. No names there with that one. What do you do in Indiana? Like Indiana, mm-hmm. I mentioned the conservative nature. What's it like compared to home? Is there any comparison? Uh, well, so basically when I'm in Indiana, I, I tend to be all work. And I, I, for some reason, just for whatever reason, a lot of my friends have ended up in Miami. So I tend to um, fly most weekends of not on call down to Miami. So I can it's it seems like a strange setup, but I absolutely love it. I, I go and get the plane at half five every Friday, uh, two hours on a plane down to Miami, get my paperwork done, and then kind of when I'm down there. I relax, I kind of, you know, go to the beach, run, do a lot of kite surfing and a bit of socialising down there. So, so. your weekends are off now? Yeah, it's yeah pretty much, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'm on call, you know, okay. but it's about one in nine weekends, mm. you know. But so. you are intense during the week with num- numbers yeah. of procedures every single yeah, day. I, I, I know me. this. Yeah. You like to run? 
I do. I Does do. it relieve? Is there stress? Is there big stress with this? Um, I mean, I think every job is a fair amount of stress. It's not the surgery itself. It's all the other stuff that goes along with surgery. Uh, just dealing with people, you know, yourself. So, mm. um, yeah, I do run. I try to run about seven miles every day. And as we come into the good weather, I, I'm able to do that most evenings. Yeah. So and it's just for my head. You yeah. know, it does more for my head than anything else. What do you miss most? Even though you love your job, you really do. And, and obviously when you love your job, it's no burden to carry in your life. And you put in these hours and do this wonderful work. What do you miss most about home? Uh, well, sure, it's it's the people. It's it's definitely the people, you know, because home is always home, and it, you you get on a lot better. Like, you know, it's over a year now since I, since I've been home, and just coming back, um, you know, just the ethos, the way people behave, you know, the crack, all of that stuff is is so much better. So definitely, without any hesitation, it's it's the people I miss the most. Think back to when you did that leave insert, and you did yeah. that first year in the matter when you were really a trendsetter, because there were no women involved in yeah. surgery, even in two thousand and six, and that's very very recent. Look what's happened in this country in those years, in the intervening years. Even with the community you spoke to yesterday, you know, the vote for the marriage, the abortion, everything that's happened. are, Are you aware of that being abroad? Uh, yeah, definitely, changes. definitely. It it doesn't surprise me. You know, Irish people are very progressive. They educate themselves. You know, I'm always amazed when I came home when I was doing this stuff. Uh, initially, I would meet neighbours or you know friends of my parents who I wouldn't expect to know any of this terminology, and they did, and they were using all the right terminology and talking to me about gender dysphoria. You know, so it doesn't surprise me that the you know the Irish population are a kind tolerant uh, race, you know, and it, it really doesn't surprise me that we're, we're seeing so much progress mm. happening. Back to so. what you missed, the food. Yeah. Did you mention the food? You love the home cooking oh, and all yeah. that goes with food around here as well, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like all the, the sausages and the fry and all that. <laughs> yeah, I'm poisoned. <laughs> and she's a doctor and a surgeon yeah. and she's saying that today. But look, it's, yeah. I, I know, I know what you're getting yeah. at as well. Um Look, it's been great to have you with us on Late Lunch. I'm thrilled I got the opportunity to meet you and talk to you at at last. You are a shining example to so many young people who head into exams tomorrow and you've gone a direction that you never expected. I think that's a message we should give them as well. Tomorrow is is. and the following days are a point in time only. But Dr. Saib Gallagher from Loud Village, continued success here and uh, please God, someday we'll see you uh, working back home here in an aspect of your work as well. But for the moment in Indiana. Enjoy life and thanks again. Thanks for having me. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.